sermon lesson for today comes from the first scripture reading that was led, the Old Testament lesson of Isaiah chapter 65. If you want to open up your bulletins to that page, I'll be referring to that throughout the sermon. I'd like you to follow along with me. I went over to Esther's house like I did every year, or every month, I should say. She was a 90-plus-year-old woman. I sat down As I sat down at her kitchen table, I pushed with one arm to the side the 20-some uh, bottles of pills that she had for her medication. And we had together a devotion, and gave her the Lord's Supper, and, and we prayed together afterwards. Afterwards, we talked for a little bit, and she said to me, Pastor, I don't know why I'm still here. I'm ready to go. And she didn't say it with sadness or as if she was in some deep, depressed state in any way, but it was, it was actually the opposite. She had a smile on her face as she said this. She was simply a person who was looking forward to being with her Savior. She was looking forward to the day when she no longer had to take all of her medications, but she no longer had to depend on somebody else to drive her around and take her where she needed to go. She was looking forward to the day when she no longer had to deal with the physical pain that she was going through and the emotional pain dealing with her, her family members and the things that she saw in the evening news. As we opened up the pages of Scripture and I showed to her the different pictures of heaven, she looked at those pictures as if she was looking at a postcard of a vacation resort that she had been waiting to go to her entire life. Her bags were packed. She was ready to go. There's something beautiful about a Christian who has a longing desire to be with their Savior in heaven. And the question isn't whether or not heaven exists. The question is simply when. Today Isaiah paints for us a picture of heaven. And he he gives us this picture as we deal with all the difficulties in life, really to, be, to give us hope for today. You see, as we look at the different pictures of heaven, it really is difficult for us to get an understanding, a grasp of what it really is like. Someone once compared it to describing the color blue to a blind person. There's no words, there's no illustrations that could possibly do justice to the color blue. You just have to see it. And yet, at the same time, Isaiah gives us these words of a description of heaven for our use. He does it for a reason. It's to give us hope. Give us something to look forward to. I don't know about you, but I love having something to look forward to, whether it's my next vacation or a night out with my wife or a day spent with the kids. And that helps me deal with the things and the problems for today. It's a proven fact that employees are at their most productive state the week before vacation. So our God has given to us a picture of what heaven's going to be like. To give us hope for now. So please open up your bulletins. Let's look together at Isaiah chapter 65. Let's go through this lesson to understand it better and, and understand how to apply it to our lives. Uh, Isaiah 65, let's look at the first verse in verse 17. It says, Behold, I will create new heavens and a new earth, the former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. This is a place that will be brand new. A place that, you know, God did not, his plan is not to just refurbish this world. His, his plan is to create something completely new for us. And what's so, that's going to be so new for us, really, 
is going to be the fact that in this heaven, there will be no sin. And that's really the reason why it's so difficult for us to understand what this place is going to be like, because sin is intertwined in everything in this world, even intertwined in our own lives, our own bodies, that we can't even imagine one moment without it. Someone asked me, Pastor, how am I supposed to enjoy heaven if I know that some of my friends or relatives are not going to be there? Or how can I enjoy heaven if I'm still able to remember all the terrible things that happened in the past? The answer to that is, I don't know. I don't think that God is going to simply zap from our memory everything that happened in the past, but I do know what the promise of Scripture says, that we will be completely happy, completely joyful, and there will never be a reason to have sorrow in our lives at all. Let's continue on to verse 18 where it talks about that joy. It says, But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create, for I will create Jerusalem to be a delight, and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. Imagine a place with no weeping or crying or sorrow or pain. At the same time, could you imagine a place that is filled with constant joy and rejoicing? I don't know about you, but I'm not overly depressed all the time. And at the same time, I'm not overly joyful all the time. I'm just kind of somewhere in the middle, right? Either good nor bad. I have my good days and bad days like everybody else. That's the normal for me. But the new normal that we see here is going to be complete joy and gladness and rejoicing at all times. Verse 20 goes on to say this. Never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days. Or an old man who does not live out his years. He who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere youth. He who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. There's nothing more sad than to hear about a death of a youth, of a, of a child, of an infant, or, or even of a young adult. Obviously in heaven there will be no death at all, but the picture that we have here is really of the blessing of being favored by God. You see, in the Old Testament, the Old Testament picture of someone who was favored by God was someone who lived a very long life. And so for us in heaven, as we live forever, we'll see how truly favored by God we are as the spiritual blessings, physical blessings, will be poured out in our lives more than we could ever possibly imagine. He goes on, verse 21. says, They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen, my chosen ones will long enjoy the works of their hands. Now, this is a beautiful picture of peace, isn't it? In the days when Isaiah wrote this lesson, it's no doubt that there were armies and bandits who would go around from time to time and destroy a person's field, a person's farm, a person's vineyard, a person's house. Their entire life's work completely wiped out and destroyed. Yet in heaven, we will have the type of peace knowing that we will have no need for insurance, We'll have no need to lock our doors at night. We'll have no need to worry about identity theft and somebody draining all of our bank accounts because there won't be any enemies there at all. There'll be so much peace, in fact, that it says in verse 25 this, 
The wolf and the lamb will feed together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The lion won't kill to eat. The lion will eat straw. Verse 24 adds something else. It says, before they call, I will answer. While they're still speaking, I will hear. In heaven, there's going to be perfect communication between God and us, because we'll see him face to face. So this picture that Isaiah paints for us shows that we have joy and gladness. We have peace. We will be truly favored by the Lord, and we will have perfect communication with God. And Isaiah paints this picture not to rub it in your faces for now until you finally get there. He paints this picture to give you hope right now. See, don't think that your faith has absolutely no value until you can finally cash in your spiritual pension on the day of your death. You see, we belittle what Jesus did for us on the cross 2,000 years ago when we think that he only offers future blessings and not present blessings. And we underestimate really what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. When we consider our own lives now as just a miserable airport terminal on a stormy day, and we're just, we're just full of delays and frustrations, and our only goal is to just leave, and there's no way we're going to be happy. We can't be happy until we leave. What we see in this lesson is actually a very unique picture from Isaiah. It's not simply describing what heaven will be like, but it's intermingling two pictures from our perspective. A picture of what life will be like after our death, life in heaven, and what life is like now, after Christ, but before his second coming. And as he paints this picture, it really is a beautiful picture, the whole thing. See, Isaiah writes this from the perspective of 700 years before Christ. And he was looking forward to a time when he would no longer have to look at the Messiah as just a shadow of the Messiah, but when he could see the reality of God incarnate coming to this world. He was looking forward to a day when he didn't have to just hear the promises of God, but see them fulfilled. He was looking forward to a day when he could not only hear about God's promises, but also see it in action, God's love in action. He was looking forward to a day when he could sit down and listen to God's word explained in even more detail through a parable that Jesus would teach. Even Isaiah the prophet would have been surprised to hear how, to hear the details and how literally Jesus, this Messiah, was going to sacrifice his life for the world. Even Isaiah would have been surprised to hear just how great and to what great lengths this unconditional love would go. As Jesus is hanging on the cross, and, and those, those men, those soldiers who nailed him to the cross, he cries out, Father, forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. Or he, he gives a promise of salvation to that criminal who just a few hours earlier was mocking him. Or as moments before his death, he's not thinking about himself, he's thinking about his dear mother that someone would take care of her. Even Isaiah would have been surprised at how great his unconditional love would be for this world, for you and me. Isaiah saw a vision of what it would look like to be truly glad, and to truly have peace, and to truly be favored by the Lord, 
and to truly have this personal communication with God that we have today. Isaiah was talking, part of this picture is talking about the year 2013, your lives. Imagine a, a beautiful painting of a mansion. A beautiful mansion. And around this mansion there are, there are gardens, flowers, fountains, a beautiful lawn. The whole picture is beautiful. But imagine that the mansion is heaven and we are in the lawn somewhere, in the garden. The whole picture is beautiful, isn't it? We're just waiting for that time when we can finally enter in the last part of that picture, the mansion. See, it's, it's easy to complain about the present world that we live in and all the difficulties that come along with being here in this world. It's easy to be frustrated as Satan tries to attack us in so many different ways, it's easy to really feel um, pressured by all the pressures that are in this world, in New York City, in your own lives. Satan's not going to give up. We understand that. We know that. And I don't mean to belittle those problems in any way, because those are real issues. Those are real problems. But despite all of those problems, we have a greater reason to rejoice and be glad. We have a greater reason to understand peace we have a greater reason to understand that we are truly favored by the Lord. Remember what this the picture that this text offers us? Rejoicing, peace, being truly favored by the Lord and that perfect communication between us and God. Consider the, rejoice, the reason for rejoicing that we have here in this world. That even in the worst possible case scenario, that if one of you died, we would still have reason to rejoice at your funeral because you would be in heaven. Imagine, the worst possible case scenario, there's still reason to rejoice and be glad. And the picture that Isaiah describes about being truly favored by the Lord as he talks about the longevity of life. Think about your own life and how God has showed how you are truly favored by the Lord as all the spiritual and physical blessings have been poured out on you in so many ways throughout your life and those are going to continue to be poured out on you throughout the rest of your life. Consider the peace that you have. For we still in this world have people who will want to steal from us. We still have a reason for insurance, right? But even if something like that would happen, we have peace of mind knowing that everything's in the Lord's hands. We have no reason to worry. And the perfect communication that we have with God, yes, someday we are going to be there face to face with Him in heaven, but right now He gives us something beautiful and wonderful, the blessing of prayer, where we can talk to Him at any time and He's not only listening, but He's answering, He's granting. beautiful picture of hope that Isaiah paints for us. Post-Christ, post-Messiah. All of it beautiful. It was a few years ago that Esther finally passed on from this world to the next. And she is enjoying that perfect life in heaven, that perfect rejoicing, that perfect peace. And yet that rejoicing, that peace, that truly being favored by the Lord and that communication that she had with God helped her here in this world as she kept her eyes focused on that final mansion. Because of what Christ did, we look forward to something glorious and beautiful. And that gives us 
reason, despite all the difficulties that we deal with, reason to have hope now. And yet at the same time, we understand that what Christ did for us 2,000 years ago gives us reason to celebrate now as well. Because we have rejoicing, we have gladness, we have peace that Isaiah only dreamed of. Hope for the future, hope for now.